This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. Well, in your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. We're going to read just a few verses. Verses 12 through 16. You talk about miracles, you'll find them right here. Acts chapter 5, 12 through 16. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the lands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on them, on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed." So if you know me at all, you know that there are just certain things that I repeat a lot. Uh, I have certain jokes that I repeat a lot because they're very funny. <laughs> For example, um, when we, um, ever we would go out to eat as a staff, I think I've probably told you before, um, and the waiter, waiter or waitress will come by and say, well, how is everything? And I'll say, great, you're a fantastic cook. And that's funny because she didn't cook it. See how funny it is? Okay, well, so I'll try again. So then she hands me a uh, the receipt, and, I'll, and I sign it, and I'll say, there you go, worth millions now. So my autograph, see, they're funny. Okay, these are not being <clears throat> very funny right now, so all right. But there are other things I repeat. Uh, if you're in my home at all, you're going to hear me repeat often this phrase, because I say it all the time. You can't just do one thing. To do one thing, you got to do five things. You know what I'm talking about? You can't just do one thing. To do one thing, you got to do five things. Like, for example, it's time to mow the lawn. And I'm looking out there, the lawn needs mowed desperately. But before I mow the lawn, I have to trim everything. And so I go and get my trimmer and discover, okay, now the trimmer is out of trim line. So now it's before I mow the lawn, I got to trim to trim. I got to put trim line in. And then I go to get trim line in and I'm out of trim line. So now I gotta go to the hardware store to buy trim line to put trim line in the trimmer so I can trim so I can mow. Can't just do one thing. You gotta do five things to do one thing. Check with me on this. All right, there we go. Now finally you're with me. <laughs> My jokes, not so much, but that you get. All right, good. Um, okay, today's sermon is gonna feel a bit like that. I need to kind of help guide you to something that the Spirit showed me, guided me to in the text, and, and really it's the big prayer. We're going to do a big prayer today. It's sort of a big idea, a big prayer at the end, but I need to take you on the same journey that the Lord took me on, because this text is a little interesting, isn't it? Look back at the text again, and you see some really interesting things going on in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. We're talking about miraculous healing uh, to the point where people are bringing people out so that Peter's shadow can just fall on them, and then they're healed. I mean, that's some pretty interesting things. And so why is this here, and what does that mean to us, and all of that? Well, those are the things that I had to study and come to. And I think the challenge of the day is what we need. But i got to get you there first. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do some Bible study. Are, did you come to church to study the Bible this morning? 
Awesome. You're going to get it today. Because we're going to do the, the typical method of Bible study. We're going to do observation. We're going to do some interpretation. Then we're going to do some application. Okay, what does this text say? What does it mean? And how does it apply? So let's start here. Let's start with observation. Observation. And the one key question I always ask whenever I do sermon prep is this. Why did the author include this here? Why is it here? Because that is a historical, grammatical, literal, redemptive approach to Bible hermeneutic. Uh, Luke was the author of the book of Acts, and Luke wrote this to a people, and, and there's lots of stuff the apostles did, all kinds of stuff. But this is the one he recorded, and he recorded it for a reason, and he was led by the Spirit to do it. So why is this here? Well, we have to answer that question with some Bible study. And to do that, you've got to look in context. So this is, without question, an answer to a prayer they prayed before. And I want you to take your eyes and see this. So we're going to go over to Acts 4, verse uh, number 29. Acts four twenty-nine. We've already preached this once, but I want to show this to you again. Where Here's the believers, and they were, they were uh, told not to preach Jesus. They were released. The church gathers and prays, and this was their request. After giving praise to God, we see this request in verse 29 and 30. So here's verse 29. Now watch the elements here. They're very important. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. So do you see that request? God, we want boldness to preach the word. We want boldness to preach the word. Let's just say that together, can we? We want boldness to preach the word. We want that too, right, redemption? We want that. But then look, look at their second request. It's interesting in verse number 30. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed in the name of your servant, Jesus. God, we want to preach but we want you to affirm the message through miracles. Those two key things right there. We want you to preach. As we preach the gospel, uh, affirm the message through miracles. That's what they're asking. Make sense? Okay, now, uh, chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. This is an example of that happening. God's answering that prayer. Take a look again at verse number 12. Now, many, here it is, signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. So God said, okay, I'm answering that prayer. In fact, back in Acts uh, 4, he shook the place when they prayed. And now he's answering that prayer for them. He is He is attesting to that prayer by doing what they asked for. And the people react. We see two kind of key reactions uh, that seem contradictory. Take a look at verse number 13. Now, none of the rest dare join them, but uh, the people held them in high, high esteem. Well, uh, of course, some people were leery to join them. What happened just before this? Yeah, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, right? And they came in and they lied to the Holy Spirit and they were like, boom, dead right there. Drew did an awesome job preaching that text last week. And, uh, uh, and so they're like, man, these guys are serious. This is serious. And if you mess this up, you can end up like them. So there's some people that held them in high esteem but didn't dare join them. Now look what the next verse says. And I think this is the point Luke is trying to make. Look at verse 14. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So yes, some held them at arm's distance, but many more, many more believed. Why did they believe? Because they preached the word with boldness, and that was attested to by the working of signs and wonders. And you see that pattern all throughout Acts. 
Think about Acts 2. Did Peter preach the word in Acts 2? Did God attest with the miraculous? Sure did. Spoke in tongues. And 5,000 were added to them. How about Acts 3? The lame man. Get up and walk. And he got up and walked. And text says, in that signs and wonders people saw them, 2,000 people came to Christ. You have this text we have in front of us, but it's not just this. You have it again happening in Acts uh, chapter 9. Here's Acts 9. Check this out. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise up, your, uh, rise up and make your bed. By the way, that's exactly what Courtney told me this morning. Rise up and make your bed. Anyway, thank you for laughing at that joke. The first service didn't at all, so thank you for that. And immediately he rose. Now watch verse number 35. Check this out. Again, Luke writing this, Inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There's a pattern here. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. God works a sign Many turn to the Lord. Happens again at the end of Acts 9. End of Acts 9 where what we have is Tabitha dies. And Peter goes to Tabitha and says, Tabitha, arise. And she does. And then Luke writes this in Acts 9.42. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And what does it say? Many believed in the Lord. This is, this is, you see this all throughout the book. They preached the word of God with boldness. God attests to the preaching through the miraculous. And many are saved. And if there's any question of this, this is what Peter is doing. Now, all we're doing is, is exegesis. This is just getting into the text, considering the author, asking why this story, why in this spot. And, and I think it's really clear when you look at Acts 14.3, which says this. So they remained for a time, for a long time. Here it is. Check it out. Speaking boldly for the Lord. There's that first piece, preaching the word boldly, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Now, what we got going on here in Acts 5, 12 through 16 is another example of that happening. He, they're preaching the word boldly, and the message is being attested to with miracles, and many are believing That may at first seem odd until you stop and think about it a little bit. How many of you have heard of God doing miracles out on the mission field? If you've heard a story of God doing miracles, then all over the congregation, people are raising their hands. And I, I've heard of it. This, this week I heard a story of a, uh, a missionary in Uganda. And this missionary in Uganda had a car in his garage, and a, a Ugandan guard, armed guard, knew he had that car. And he approaches the guy and he says, hey, give me your car. And the missionary said, no, I'm not going to give you my car. I use it for the Lord. I'm not going to give it up. No, I have a gun and you're going to give me that car. And the guy said, no, I'm not going to do it. And when he tried to raise his rifle, he couldn't move his arms. They were frozen in place. And he just turned and he ran away. I know I've said it several times here. Many of you, I've talked about um, people in Muslim countries getting visions of Christ and dreams of Christ, and that makes them seek the Lord, and they hear the gospel, and they believe the gospel. So, so it, it, it might not be as strange as it first seems, but all I'm doing is trying to say, what does God's word teach? And what was Luke trying to say in Acts? 
Man, it seems really, really clear. He's trying to say, they preached the word boldly. It was attested to by the miraculous, and many were saved. Now, there is an argument out there amongst conservative Bible teachers that would say, it's not okay to use signs and wonders to attest to the gospel. You shouldn't do that. And there's some verses that kind of seem to support that. Verses like 1 Corinthians 1, 22 through 23, which says this, For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. Well, okay, there it is. Say I, They did signs, and that signs is for them, but not us. We preach Christ crucified. Okay, problem with that. Who wrote 1 Corinthians 1? Paul, did Paul attest to the preaching of the word through signs? Yes. You look at the book of Acts. Yeah, but early in Acts, not in the, you know, early in his ministry, well, no, kind of at the end of Acts. And you'll see it when he's shipwrecked. And then he's out and he gets bit by a viper and all of a sudden he doesn't die. He should have died. And there were miracles happening by his hand attesting to the preaching of the word. That was going on. Okay, well, how about this? Jesus said this in Matthew 12, verse 39. But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. Uh-uh, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Great, there it is. That Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. But again, problem, who said that? Jesus. Did Jesus do miracles and wonders and signs? And, important question, we talk about again, let's do some hermeneutic here, let's get some historical, grammatical, literal in there. He taught this before even Acts happened. And Acts was clear, we saw the message again and again. They preached, God attested to that by the miraculous, and and many, many were saved. Now, if you're getting a little nervous, it's okay, just hang on, we're going to be okay, I promise you. Observation. This This is, can I be honest? This was a challenging text for me to study this week. And I'm trying to just see the word of God, understand the word of God. And what do I do when the word of God and my understanding kind of compete a little bit? Well, the word of God has to win. But there's the important question, an observation. Uh, what did Luke, uh, um, why did Luke include the story? I believe it was to show, again, the bold preaching attested by miracles leads many to Christ. Now, here's the next question, interpretation. Well, what does that mean for us? That's the observation from the text. That was exegesis. We just studied the text. We just went through the book of Acts. Now, okay, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us? Is this descriptive or is this prescriptive? Is this something that we should do? Something that just happened then? And, and it's a challenging thing to think through thoroughly. Uh, as I was studying, I listened to a message to help me out greatly by John Piper. So John Piper preached on this very text and he, he, he took it from the angle of, is it okay to pray the prayer? that we see in Acts 4, 29 and 30. Is it okay for us today in our age to pray, God, grant us boldness to preach your word while you attest through the working of the miraculous? Is that something we should pray for? It's a great question. And and what I would probably at the beginning of the week have approached us to say, I don't know, probably not. Until the word of God is showing me a little different because what I've been taught and what I've heard is that, well, that's the way he worked in the early church. That was for then in the early church. But he doesn't work that way anymore. 
And my question for that is, okay, where does the Bible say that? Where does the Bible teach that? If we are, after all, redemption Bible church. Come on, say it with me. Redemption Bible church. The word of God has to be the thing that guides our understanding. So where does the Bible teach that? Uh, came across this quote by uh, Martin Lord, Lloyd-Jones. In fact, this was um, uh, Piper quoted it, so I'm quoting Piper, quoting Martin Lloyd-Jones. Do you know who Martin Lloyd-Jones is? Martin Lloyd-Jones, I can't say that right. Let me try it again. Martin, you try speaking in public for a living <laughs> about a topic that makes you nervous. Okay, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, that, uh, do you know who he is? This is like one of the, the um, greatest reformed Calvinistic uh, Bible preachers of the previous generation. Solid, solid guy. Solidly in our camp. Uh, and he'd be right with us in so many ways. And this is what he has said. He's preached several messages uh, on the Holy Spirit at the end of his life. And he said this, uh, it is perfectly clear that in the New Testament times, the gospel was authenticated in this way by the signs and wonders and miracles of various characters and descriptions. Was it only meant to be true of the early church? The scriptures never anywhere say that these things were only temporary, never. There is no such statement anywhere. Interesting. I think John Piper had a really good... And again, if you're getting nervous, just hang on, you're going to be okay. Uh, there's... There is a, a good balance here by John Piper. Here's what John Piper has to say. Here is the way I would sum up the relationship between the gospel and signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are not the saving word of grace. Let me pause there for a minute. Do you understand that? People aren't saved because of a miracle. People are saved because of the preaching of the gospel. Can I say it again? People are not saved because of a miracle. They're saved because of the, come on, say it with me, the preaching of the gospel, the bold proclamation of the gospel. It's a key element. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that has to be there. Miracles do not save. They are God's secondary testimony to the word of his grace. Signs and wonders do not save. They are not the power of God into salvation. They do not transform the heart any more than music or art or drama or magic shows. What changes the heart and saves the soul is itself authenticating glory of Christ seen in the message of the gospel. He goes on to say, but even if signs and wonders can't save the soul, they can, if God pleases, if God pleases, shatter the shell of disinterest. They can shatter the shell of cynicism. They can shatter the shell of false religion. Like every other good witness to the word of grace, they can help the fallen heart to fix its gaze on the gospel where the soul-saving, self-authenticating glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was helpful. Now, I, uh, <laughs> this is how awesome God is. So uh, we, we teach systematic theology here at Redemption. You know that, right? Not all of you know that because you're not coming. But you can repent and sign up next fall. Just as I am. Come on, damn. All right. Um, but, but the lesson this week just happened to be miracles. And so it was like, okay, thanks for that little miracle, Lord, because as I was studying to lead that, it was also helping me study in my text, and it was just really helpful to, to see a more biblical exegesis thoroughly done on this whole topic. And helping us answer the prayer. Is it okay to pray what the disciples prayed 
in Acts 4. Is it okay for us to say God grants boldness to preach your word while you attest to that by the working of miracles so that many are saved? Well, here's what Martin Lloyd-Jones said. Martin, <laughs> Martin Lloyd-Jones. You guys pay me to speak in public, so it's your fault. All right. We can never produce a number of converts. Well, we can produce a number of converts, thank God for that, and that goes on regularly in evangelical churches every Sunday. But the need today is much too great for that. The need today is for the authentication of God, of the supernatural, of the spiritual, of the eternal, and this can only be answered by God's graciously hearing our cry and shedding forth again his spirit upon us, filling us as he kept filling the early church goes on to say this, and what is needed in some is some mighty demonstration of the power of God, some enactment of the Almighty that will compel people to pay attention, to look and to listen. That is why I am urging you to pray for this. When God acts, he can do more in a minute than man with his organization can do in 50 years. Okay. The preaching of the word of God is what saves I want you to say that with me again. The preaching of the word of God is what saves. But uh, are we living in a world that is warm to the things of God? Uh, in my experience, it's, America is much colder to the word of God than it was when I was 12 years old. And trust me, that was a long time ago. Getting longer every year. Okay, Pastor, talk to me here. We got observation, and again, this week I was just in the text, and I was just asking that question. Why is the story here? Okay, all right, interpretation. What does this mean for us? And now here's the application, the application. What does that look like? Okay, let me just say this, and I need to say all this very carefully. Let me say what it probably doesn't look like first. Okay, probably doesn't. I have to admit, it probably doesn't look exactly like what you see in the book of Acts. And I think in this time, there is an unusual concentration, both in frequency and in power, in terms of these miracles happening. It was, it seems to be, and this is more practical, but it seems to be a, a, a greater concentration, both in, again, frequency and in power of the working of these miracles. Okay, so it seems to be the case. So it's probably not going to look exactly like Acts. I'm probably not going to be able to say, like Jaden, when he was all gimpy, with his leg. I mean, he's gimping in other ways with his leg. I mean, it's like I can say, Jaden, be healed. And all of a sudden he's there. I mean, to understand that that was often Holy, I mean, that was all Holy Spirit led. I've never had the Spirit lead me to do that. So I don't think it looks quite like that. I also have to say, I don't think it looks quite like what it does in a lot of charismatic churches. Now, I'm not saying all. And I know some of you come from that background and have a love and an appreciation for all of that. And that's good. But I think you're from Often people come from a charismatic background because they recognize there's a lot of abuses done in the charismatic movement when it comes to the working of the Spirit. And the tongues that you see in the charismatic church doesn't often look like the tongues you see in the Bible. It just seems to be different. And then you got guys who are just absolute charlatans who are using the miraculous and using these things to further their name or to make some money. And if that's their game, I can tell you they're not having authentic biblical experiences, right? If their preaching isn't in line with the word of God, chances are what they're experiencing is also not in line with the word of God. Track with me on this? So, so a lot of what we're seeing in that movement probably 
or at least a great deal of it might not be what I think we should see today. And I think for sure, it's not this whole prosperity gospel word of faith thing. Like, you know, right, that's really unbiblical. But this idea that, oh, it's got name and claim it, name and claim it. And if I speak the word with enough faith behind it, I can make anything happen. If I speak the word with enough faith, any God will do whatever I ask him, like he's some kind of a genie. Like he's your holy butler? That, that ain't working that way. And that's not even seen biblically. And I think about the centurion who said, um, I believe. But they said what? Help my unbelief. What kind of faith did he have? But did God heal? Yeah, God healed. How about Paul who prayed over and over again? Paul prayed to, for the thorn to be taken from him. And God said, no. You tell me Paul didn't have enough faith? How about Jesus, who said, take this cup from me. And you're trying to tell me Jesus didn't have enough faith? This whole idea behind the word of faith, it doesn't look like that either. Okay. But it doesn't look like nothing. So then, Pastor Jamie, what does it look like? And I'll say to you, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, this, is, this is something I'm growing in. As I'm studying the word of God, I'm growing in my understanding. I'm trying to figure all of this out. And I'm trying to say, what does it look like to, to ask the Lord? God, I, we want, because it, it never stops being this. I think that's another problem you have in the church today, the ones that are, that are on the other side, that, that, that they kind of leave this. And we never leave the preaching of the word of God, the exegetical, expository preaching of the word, and we never stop doing it boldly. We never stop preaching the gospel. Anyone who believes has got to hear the words of the gospel. Jesus died for your sin and rose again, and faith in that, and that alone saves. We always stay firm on that. And do we need to pray for God to give us some boldness today? It's harder today than it has ever been. So we got to cry out to God, God, give us boldness, give us boldness, give us boldness. But I think it's also a good thing. I think that you have a hard biblical argument to say it's not. To say, God, would you show the authentication of our message by just doing the miraculous? And who knows what it will mean? It's been a challenge to me. It really has been. And I just want to grow in that and hope you do as well. Now, one thing it has helped me with is to pray a little more boldly. Like, like we do this, right? So Doug gets sick, sicker, and uh, <laughs> love you, Doug. It is just—it's not enough. It used to be—you don't know this if you've been attending just recently. In the early days, he was always a survey illustration every single time. So, uh, but you always sit there, so it's your own fault. Um, but Doug gets sick, and and here's how we pray: Oh Lord, uh, we just ask that you would heal Doug if you want to, if it's your will. If it's okay with you, God, we get it if you don't. I mean, of course, maybe you probably won't, uh, but, but maybe you will, maybe. So heal Doug, amen. You know, right? Isn't that how I pray? I mean, it's a little hyperbolic, but it's not too far off. Why not just say, Lord, I pray that Doug would be healed. Not Doug be healed, right? But Lord, Holy Spirit, would you heal Doug? So you're right to do that. And just believe he's going to do it and see what God will do. Or a thousand other ways in which that can apply. I just don't know, but let's just pray and see what God will do with all of that. Um, so it leads us to this.
trying to get you to where I got. I think that this text, if the point of the text, the expository point of the text we pulled out is that God authenticated the preaching of the message through the working of the miraculous and many were saved, I think that we should pray this. So here's the big prayer I'm asking us to pray as a church today is this. God, grant us boldness to preach your word and then affirm your message through the miraculous so that many will believe. God, grant us boldness to preach your word and affirm your message through the miraculous so that many will believe. Because we've already admitted. Do you remember when I said to you, how many of you have seen this on the mission field? And how many of you raised your hand? Why just there? Why are we afraid to see it here? Maybe God will do it if we asked. So I think the right way to end the sermon, y'all are getting out a little early today. I think the, remember that next time Adam or Drew goes long, remember who let you out early. Uh, but when I, We're a team, we're not, we're not in competition, just a little bit. But if you would um, get with somebody right now, why don't you just take, take a moment and just pray this. Just pray that God would grant us boldness to preach your word and then that he would affirm the message to the miraculous. We don't know what it's going to look like, but God, would you do it? Because uh, I was really challenged by this. Wayne Grudem said in his lectures on systematic theology, Wayne Grudem said that if we're going to see revival in our land, chances are it's going to be accompanied by things that people just won't be able to explain any other way than God did it. And so let's just ask God to do that now. Go ahead and pray with somebody. God, I thank you for your word. I... Um I thank you for your spirit. Um, I thank you for challenging me and my study. I thank you for the gospel that you've entrusted us with. And in a lot of ways, the gospel is enough. People can hear that and believe it, and it's enough. And yet we see in your word evidence that you attested to the preaching of the gospel through the miraculous and there may be just be some in Fort Wayne that need that. And I have no idea what that looks like. God, I don't know. But here's what I, here's what I know. God, I want people to believe in your son, Jesus. I want many people to believe in your son, Jesus. God, I want to be faithful to preach your word. And then I want you to do what only you can do. And, and, and in a lot of ways, one salvation is, every salvation is miraculous. They're all miracles. But Lord, there are cynics and there are hard hearts and there's coldness and there's, there's a lot out there, Father, that um, only you know what can win the heart. And if it takes a miracle to win a heart, God, would you, we're just inviting you to do that here. And um, I would pray that you would always keep us within the boundary of your word, but never uh, short of your word. And we'll just trust you for all the things that you are going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Redemption, you are loved. Seven minutes. You get seven extra minutes this week.